Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 111 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. You and I have the power to choose our futures, yet there are eight ways we surrender that power without even knowing it. This is the Reinventure Me Podcast. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me Podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello, and welcome to episode 111 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. This is your co-host, Larry Gates, and I'm here with Armin Asadi. And we are here to help you explore new ways to reinvent your life, your opportunities, and the ventures you're made to pursue, because this is the Reinventure Me Podcast. Hey, yeah. Boom chakalaka, as Armin would say. <laughs> don't take my lines, Larry. Come on now. <laughs> I know it's only because I don't have any of my own. I've got. To, I'm just not hip on the on the lingo it's here. The furthest thing from hip for anyone that says boom chakalaka. <laughs> Are you from suburbia? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. Armin and I have been spending the last hour or so prepping for today's show, and I'm pretty excited about this because it's from a book that I have read uh, quite a bit. We'll talk about that in a minute, but we're going to talk a little bit today about the choices that we make and, frankly, how we make them and how we might surrender our power in doing it. I think this is a good going to be a good episode. It is. Are you I'm quite- choosing to make this a good episode. <laughs> I, I, as soon as I saw my limitation in there, that's why I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we should definitely do this because, you know, well, everybody knows I'm selfish. It's, it's all that's, about <laughs> That's why I do this podcast. You know, it's really hard when everybody that I live with, it's all about them. I'm surrounded by people that it's all about them. That's right. You know? And now you have me to add to the mix. <laughs> it's all about me, Larry. <laughs> it's, like that, it's like that song from Joe Walsh. Everybody's so different, I haven't changed. <laughs> I haven't heard that, but I like the title. Life's Been Good is the name of the song. I'll send you the YouTube link. It's Do a, it. The classic. Hey, so let's let's get into an Inspire Me because it's going to tee up our topic for today. Okay. So Larry found this quote by Robert Fritz. He says, the way people choose reveals where they see the power in a situation residing and how that power is activated and used. Now, I mean, this is from a book that I've read called The Path of Least Resistance. I mentioned that already. Yeah. Um, but I didn't mention anything about how I've read this book. I have tripped through this book now three times. Okay. And I would have to say that I judge the quality of a book based on the number of quotes that I pull from it. Okay. okay. And this, in my library of books, has to be one of the most quoted books that I have. In fact, I think my admin probably went a little bit nuts since the last time I went through it. I pulled out a lot more quotes for her to type up and put into the <laughs> into the quote resource for me. <laughs> okay. And we've talked about Robert Fritz before. You know, his yeah. name may be familiar because in, in many of our episodes I probably mentioned the reason you'd create anything is because you love it enough to see it exist. And that's a Robert Fritz quote, right? Ah, and I okay. love 
that because I absolutely believe that it's true, right? If you, right. If you love something enough, it'll exist. Sure, yeah. And, uh, and, and I look at the things that I want to have in my life, uh, some of the projects that I wanted to get done yeah. and they're not done. And it just, I have to just come right down to that very simple formula, simple equation. Oh, I just didn't love it enough. Right. You know, there were other things, lesser things perhaps that I loved more at the time. And that's how it is. You know, if you want right. to lose weight, right. Yeah. Maybe you love food yeah. <laughs> more than you love a slimmer body. Right. And that's just a, a nice way to frame it up. But Robert Fritz has written this book, The Path of Least Resistance. Like I said, I've, I've read it several times and right. I was just going through it again the other day when I saw this chapter, chapter 12 on germination and choice. And I saw these eight ways and he talks about eight ways we avoid effective choice. And, and it's a subtle thing, right? In fact, he says, choosing is deceptively simple Yet it does take practice to do it correctly. And I started reading through these eight choices and I thought, you know, that's what I called you. I mean, I thought, you know, I think we've got a topic here that we can share with our audience because this is really valuable stuff. Yeah. In fact, I like Robert Fritz stuff so much. I use a fair amount of it in my strategic margin workshop and I'm planning to attend his conference he has a conference that he does. Vermont, you want to come with me? Oh, <laughs> in geez. June. Okay. No big <laughs> and, deal. Yeah, so he does a four-day workshop diving in on this stuff. And so I'm really looking forward to doing that. But this is really valuable for us, I think, to yeah. discuss. I like how he says it's deceptively simple. Because mm-hmm. it just you, you just think, oh, it's just making a decision. Yeah, it's just make a do. decision. Right, but right. you don't realize why you're making the decision the way that you are. Yeah. I, 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 I'm excited to cover this because, again... I saw a piece of me in there yeah. and I want to dissect it, but I'm going to be like the typical four-year-old right. that's on your co-host, but I'm going to ask a why question. <laughs> so why is You're this You're not going to say boom shakalaka. <laughs> no, I feel like I, I've created a new standard of low <laughs> by ever saying that. So I'm trying to avoid that. But why is this important to discuss? Well, you know, we, we all obviously make a lot of decisions. It's something we do every day. And most of them we don't ever stop to think about. Right. And, you know, we talked a few episodes ago, Armin, about the five blind spots, right? And right. There, are, there are lots of different biases. And this is this is related to that, but I don't think, you know, we're putting kind of the psychological bias framework around it. Right. But really just we're talking about how you can choose rather than allowing the path of least resistance to choose for you. Right. And that's really his point. And, and his point is that when we surrender our effective choice, our our decision to choose for ourselves, then what we've done is we've surrendered our power. In other words, we've given in to something that's not us. Right. And we might resent it. Yeah. You know, and we might rail against it. We might whatever, but frankly, <laughs> the choice, it comes back to us, <laughs> right, right. you know, and, and really it's, it's a little bit like the shame episode that we did. You know, when I realized that, well, I might've been trained in shaming myself, mm-hmm. it by my parents, I can blame them for a shame-based system, Yeah, but I'm the one that's continuing to choose as to whether I apply it or not sure. and I, whether I believe it or not. Right and until I recognize that that power of choice was mine yeah. and it was, I'm just not the victim of something else, I still have the power to choose correctly, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to break free of it. Hmm. And once I recognize that, and I think that's really what he's talking about here, is recognizing where the power lies, because hmm. otherwise we'll follow the path of least resistance, and that's what it's all about. It's interesting that you took it there with your issue with your parents and uh-huh. the shame. So the reason this is important for me and the part that resonated with me is this whole idea of the power of choice. For me, where it stuck to me or where it related to me is 
So as we talked about before, me seeing a psychologist doing this process called EMDR because yep. I have PTSD. And one of the things was I and realized QRZ and X. Nope, nope, just the EMDR, AMD, AMDR, e- AMDR. P- I still don't know what PTSD. it means. Eye movement, yeah, okay. something right. or other. Uh, <laughs> but the process of going to see a psychologist, I realized the reason I responded certain ways, and this might be redundant for some people, but I had a neural pathway, a singular neural pathway because of something that happened to me as a child mm-hmm. that I have a singular response. Mm-hmm. So I've trained my brain to think I have a one choice yeah. to respond right. to similar situations, right, right. right? And so I have to go through this process again to retrain my brain to yep. say, nope, you actually have a choice to respond yep. this way, this way, and this way. That's right? right. So that's how it related to me. And it's been one of the most important aspects of my life in retraining myself and watching my emotional intelligence skyrocket to where I was at the mentality of like a three-year-old at some points, right? Yeah, in a lot of ways, we're faced with a conundrum in that in some ways, our brains are lazy. You remember, we've, we've talked about that quite a bit. Our, right. we, we try to find, in fact, the path of least resistance. Yeah. So in the preponderance of all the choices that we have, we try to find simple ways to narrow our choices, and that's part of what he's talking about here. And we're going to get to some of those in a second. And then in some cases, uh, we don't want to make the choice at all. We don't want to make a decision at all. We want it to be yes. made for us. Because I have those people in my life. Yeah, well, we all do, and we all have times of those. You know, there's just a number of things that we'd rather stay away from. So we should probably dive into this, right? Yes, yes, let's do it. Okay, let's start with choice number one, which is the choice by limitation. So this is choosing only what seems possible or reasonable. Break that down for us. Yeah, so this choice by limitation is that um, we think about the things that we can do, and we also think about the things that we can get away with or al- allow ourselves to do. So we start to see ourselves in terms of confinement or constraints. Yeah. So we think about the things that are possible or sure. reasonable, you know, things that we can do that won't upset other people or things that we can afford or whatever. And those, that reasonableness or that possibility starts to constrain the number of things that we think that we can do. Now, yeah. constraints are actually helpful in making decisions, right. but when you don't, know what your constraints are and you just limit them, you can find that you end up being not happy because you're making decisions that are based on either external circumstances or what somebody else might want. In the book, The Path of Least Resistance, Fritz describes a scenario of a a student who wanted to go into medical school and become a doctor, but the financial burden of going through that educational training was considered to be too high that didn't know what the path was to get there. So it's, yeah. And, you know, there are people that get through that in all kinds of ways. I mean, if you got, again, back to that, if you love it enough to see it exist, it'll happen. But in this case, the student chose instead to become a pharmacist, which wasn't nearly as costly for an education and ends up hating it, you know, and because it wasn't exactly what they would have chosen. I talked a long time ago when we talked about detoxifying from a former employer, you know, yeah. I think we talked about the fact that when I left Cray, I started realizing that about six months after I left, I started thinking more creatively about the things that I could do. And I remember one day, I mean, thinking, wow, I don't really have anybody that's telling me I can't do this, huh. you know? And so subconsciously inside of a company, even you might not advance an idea or work on a cause because you know other people won't be receptive to it. Yeah. So that's another constraint by limitation. That's an example of of choosing by limitations. You're going to put energy behind what you think is viable 
and would be received in the organization. And so sure. you might take other ideas that are wild or maybe even better for the organization. But if you know that there's somebody that's going to be resistant to it, you're not going to go and hit your head against a wall. So this uh, choice by limitation, is it strictly external or is this referring to anything internal, like my belief system that I have about myself? Yeah, I think it can be both internal and external. He speaks mostly about external things, but I think a lot of it is internally imposed because you, you have assumptions. Like, for instance, the example of the student, the financial constraints were real. There's also an internal assumption about whether they were surmountable or not. Right. And, you know, they, he probably made this decision that, well, no, they're, 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 I can't possibly get funding or I can't possibly get a path to an education as a physician, so sure. I'm going to become a pharmacist. And so I think while they're probably external factors, I don't know that they're purely external factors. I think internal is there as well. Okay. In fact, one of the quotes that he has in this book, he says, and I think that I've seen this so often, he says, in organizations, the ranks of engineering, management, sales, and manufacturing personnel are sprinkled with unenthusiastic and uninspired people who are there because of a choice by limitation. They know they are living a daily compromise. Which is, I can't do better than this. Yeah, this is like, you know, this is what my lot is, and and this is, you know, this is my job, and this is where I'm at. And yeah, see, it's that quote that makes me feel like that's such an internal thing than it is an external thing, right? Like, you're you're accepting the belief that this job, with this role, with this pay is my limitation. Yeah. I don't understand why it would be external. Well, the, but see, I think the external circumstances contribute to that, right? I mean, obviously... For the student, for instance, if yeah. he had a lot of money, if his family had a lot of money, then becoming a physician wouldn't even been an issue, Yeah. right? The fact that he didn't have a lot of money, so the external caused the internal evaluation to say, okay, well, is that a limitation? Well, yeah, it's a limitation, and I can't get over it, right? right? So there's one thing to say, to recognize that, yeah, it's a constraint, but then the question is, what do you do about the constraint? Right. And so as soon as the constraint becomes the limiter, and as soon as you say, well, that constraint is not surmountable, or in fact, my love for it is not worth surmounting this constraint, gotcha. back to Fritz's uh, loving enough to see it exist, okay. then you'll stay in that limitation. I think that's what he's talking about. All right. So I, I don't want to beat this one to death. So we're going to go to the second one. Yeah, which number two. Is choice by indirectness. This is choosing the process instead of the result which I watch a lot of people do and it drives me nuts. Yeah. But what is your take on it? I want to hear your breakdown. Well, I, I think Fritz has a really good way to kind of cut to the chase about what this means. When I first read it, choosing the process instead of the result, I'm like, huh, what is he talking about? Yeah. But, but he, he just describes two different things. You know, people choose to go to college rather than choose to be educated. Mm -hmm. You know, are you going there for learning and what you can learn from it? Or are you going there to get a grade or get, get the process. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he, he's like, the other example he gives is choosing to eat healthy foods ah, or be being healthy. healthy. That's the, that's the thing that I see all the time. It's funny that he uses it. That's exactly what I thought of. Cause I'm surrounded by so many people that work out, work out because that's the way they something. I don't know. It's the workout to work out, to feel better about themselves. They'll, they have no goal. My son Jonathan was watching a video on Facebook, and it's probably going viral right now, but it's it's people who love to exercise and love food, and they're like 
eating McDonald's French fries while they're doing sit-ups. You know, and it's like, <laughs> I mean, they're not making a they're making a choice for the process of exercise, but yeah. not for the result of health. Yes, because they're just like boom. Yeah, it's it's as if I do this process that everything else will magically turn out. It's it's not i don't know it's just not goal oriented it's not result oriented and it drives me nuts yeah and it may not be just education or health or whatever we can do this a lot and we you know there's so much marketed to us right now about these are three steps for this or seven steps for that or whatever mm-hmm. and we can just go crazy being attracted to all these things in fact i i'm i'm caught in this some ways i'm i'm a junkie for for training programs that come along, you know, you want to build your email list. Here's the way you do it. You want to learn this tool. Here's, you know, sign up for this course and do that. You want to be a better writer, sign up for this program. You know, I'm on the Jerry Jenkins thing and I'm on the, you know, I'm on the Michael Hyatt thing and I'm on the, you know, it's like, I've got more stuff that I can keep up with all for the promise that if I follow the process, something magical will happen. But the thing is, is that magical thing isn't defined yet. Yeah. And that's what he's saying. When you're following a process rather than choosing a result. Yeah. Right. Now I had a friend of mine who called me one day and he was just really discouraged about where things were going. He was in a, one of those portfolio lifestyle jobs, I mean, like you yeah. and I have, where we're sure. putting things together. And as we started talking about it and he didn't know where he wanted to go. It was just really clear. He, he wasn't quite sure about it. It's not like he lacked anything. Smart guy, really very capable, but he just wasn't sure about what was going on. And one of the suggestions I had for him is unsubscribe from all those feeds offering to solve your problem. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes we have to disconnect from all the things that are process Mm -hmm. in order for us to get silent and think about what result are we trying to create. Yeah. Because when you get all that stuff, all you see are the magic occurs if you right. follow this process, right? right? It's like the Madison Avenue, right? They never put unattractive women next to the sports cars. It's always sure. attractive women with the <laughs> subtle notion. You buy your sports car and right. that you buy, you buy into that process. Yep. This is the result, right? Right. And uh, of course we know where that goes. It's funny. Cause I just had this conversation with one of my friends. I asked him, you know, why are you a desk jockey as he self-proclaims to be? And he said, uh, I don't know, just security. I said, what's your end goal? He's like, I, I don't know. I just security. I was like, you got your MBA. You're working on having a PhD in something in organizational leadership. And you, <laughs> what is your aspiration? Just to be an educated desk jockey. And I, and I said it in a condescending way accidentally, but, <laughs> but he was like, I, I don't know. I guess I've just never thought about where I could take it. I just wanted security. I'm like, it's so you know, weird. You know, I think if, if you feel like you're in the treadmill, you know, where this is just, it's just going on and you're just getting up and you're doing the yeah. same thing over and over and over again, it might be that, that this is a situation where you've chosen the process over the result. You really right. don't know, like you were asking your friend, you don't know where you're trying to go. Yeah. You just know that you got to keep doing the same thing you've been doing yeah. because you feel like you have no other choice. Exactly. But frankly, you do. But the choice has to begin with you figuring out where you want to go. And that you have a choice. And to know <laughs> that you have a choice. Exactly. Right. That would be Fritz's point for sure. So number three is choice by elimination. This is eliminating all other possibilities so that only one choice remains, which is 
I I th- I think that's a reasonable process. <laughs> I mean, how else do you make a choice? <laughs> yeah. Well, what Fritz is referring to here is mostly those situations where you start escalating a conflict in order to create a no-win situation. So, oh, you can see this happening a lot. You ever been friends of a couple that have gone through a divorce? Yeah. Okay. Well, you see this oftentimes there where they start hearing what the other person is saying and they attribute more weight to it and it become increasingly polarized, right? So they become more distant from each other and start to take on the language by polarizing views such that it escalates to what is an inevitable decision with the quote, you know, they left me no choice, right? It's just uh-huh. that you escalate to this point where everything becomes eliminated and now we have no choice. I'm still trying to make this a practical thing. So if I'm making a practical decision, right? Yep. Say it's a business decision or something like that. How does this apply to me making like, say, a business decision? Well, if you're making a business decision, you might find that you're going to play things off against each other and see how they win rather than choosing which one is the most compatible with the result you want. In other words, you're looking for the survivor and you're going to go with the survivor rather than choosing what you want to have happen. Interesting. Now, here's a perfect example of this. In fact, okay. he talks about this in the book, but we all know what's happening in the political process right now, right? What? No, there's a political process? <laughs> yeah, well, all right. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know Trump and Cruz and Kasich and all that on the Republican side yeah. and, and, and Sanders Hillary and Sanders yeah. on the Democratic side. And now, Fritz says this in his book, and when I read it, I'm like, boy, is that right on? He says, one of the tendencies in modern times is to polarize the political left and right that happening? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) You get this now. So that all that remains are two undesirable extremes. (laughs) Tyranny from the right or tyranny from the left, right? That's so funny. And then he says, people then see themselves as controlled by circumstances, faced with two undesirable choices, and forced to settle for choosing the lesser of two evils. Gosh. Now, is that not exact? When was this book written? <laughs> oh, I don't know, 1985 or something. No way. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. So I was just watching Fox News uh, the other night, and Speaker Newt Gingrich basically said that very same thing. He's yeah. like, well, I can choose I-, I can choose either of these guys over Hillary because that's the better of the two evils. Two you know, evils, it's like, yes. you know, that's what we got to choose from, right? I would say... Uh, and I, I would say I just read that the first time in history that there is a vast majority of certain generations that because of this race consider themselves independent now. Mm-hmm. They wish they had a third party to vote for, <laughs> which is weird because there is a third party. But never mind. Yeah, but so that's exactly what that's referring to. So, yeah. So number four. Yeah. So this is choice by default. The choice not to make a choice so that whatever results happen seem to occur without choice. Yeah. Well, you see this a lot. <laughs> and we don't have to say much about it. I mean, it's, you know, you allow a deadline to go by. Yeah. You just missed it and yeah, indecision, whatever. Mm-hmm. No choice is a choice. Yeah. And that's, that's it's what so it's so funny. When I was running the intern program at the church, the line that I kept saying to these interns is, just so you know, your indecision is a decision. That's right. It was probably like a at least bi-weekly process for me to go through. Yeah, and you leave something long enough and it becomes a non-choice after a while. Yeah, and they would get 
removed from certain projects that mm-hmm. would help them get places they wanted to get to, but mm-hmm. right. it's their choice not to make it. <laughs> exactly. What's number five? All right. So conditional choice, imposing preconditions on choices. So you got to break that one down for me. Well, this is the typical fleece. You know, we're putting something out there to see if something happens. And if it happens, then we'll go do it. What, what is that, like a beta test? Yeah, it, well, that's not like a beta <laughs> test. It's like some test. And usually it's an unrelated thing. So, for example, I might choose to say, uh, you know what? Uh, I really want to do this dream, but I'm not. I'm going to wait for the kids to go off to college before I do it, right? Okay. It's kind of like the deferred life plan. I'm oh. going to do this at a later time or when the conditions are right or whatever. And oftentimes the conditions don't really have any direct bearing on what it is that we choose to do. I'll give you an example here. Is this almost kind of like the I'll be happy when? I'll be happy when. When Ryan was setting up his, uh, my son Ryan was setting up his video production company. I may have shared this story with you before. I don't know. Keep going. We talked about what does it take for you to get this company going, right? And so... I got to the whiteboard and I just said, Ryan, tell me everything you think you need to get this company going. And all of it was equipment. I mean, he had like $50,000 worth of equipment. I go, okay, well, we got $50,000 worth of equipment. Do you have $50,000? And I mean, I knew the answer to that question. Right. right? And he's like, oh, you know, I can't get going. I'm like, okay, do you think maybe there's something that could precede that? Maybe like a contract? Is it, would a contract be helpful for you? Because if a con- then you could maybe rent some of this stuff and, you know, you don't need to actually have it all. So he was stuck in the mindset of thinking, this is the condition that I have to have. If I don't have this equipment, then I cannot begin this business. Mm. And so breaking him out of that thinking, which was this choice here that we're talking about, this conditional choice that there's a precondition. I can start the business when I have the equipment. But the fact of the matter is he could start it much sooner than that. Yeah. Get a contract, get paid, get a contract, rent it, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So we had to kind of break that down. I like that. All right. So number six, choice by reaction. This is choices designed to overcome a conflict. Mm, My wife. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. Let's talk about that. If all of a sudden here, we're getting juicy here. We're not late into the program. (laughs) (laughs) Cheap shot. I'm sorry. Don't kill me. I'm sleeping on the couch next week. (laughs) Well, these are choices that are designed really to reduce discomfort. You, You know, people, we all know people who we just don't want to rock the boat. I mean, we, we don't want to upset them. So we don't bring things up. God, so we have that song stuck in my head. <laughs> what song is that? Rock the boat. Rock. Oh yeah. Rock the boat. See, <laughs> now it's stuck in here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but the power here is really in whatever produces discomfort. Yeah. And so the person who's causing avoidance behavior yeah. and choosing not to engage then has the power. Hmm. We can be so, conditioned to reacting in this way that society counts on it. You know, it imposes late penalties or late fees or whatever for, you know, when we don't comply in the way that we should. And that is designed to create discomfort. And that discomfort is designed to shape our behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because I caused my wife to avoid conflict. I think a portion of it because I react so dismissively like, I don't want to talk about it or whatever, right? Yeah. As soon as you start creating these no talk areas, then what ends up happening is that people start skirting around them. And before you know it, the no talk areas get bigger and bigger and bigger. And you don't know where the tripwire is that that caused that to happen. But the person who owns the no talk zone owns the power then. Yep. 
And that's where the person who is choosing not to engage in it needs to recognize, hey, I am limiting my choice here. I am choosing to become ineffective and not getting what I want, which is having dialogue about this because right. I don't want to hit that tripwire or hear something that I don't want to hear. Well, exactly. Which is something yeah, I again, need to hear. <laughs> path of least, path of least resistance, exactly. right? We, so don't rock the boat, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number seven is choice by consensus. This is the, this is me. Right this is here. you right here. This is the ding, okay. ding, ding. I mean, uh, so choice by consensus. This is choosing by finding out what everyone else is willing to recommend and following the result of that poll. Yep. I just look up my Facebook account and see how many <laughs> polls I've done in the last year. Yeah. Oh, it's sad. Well, here, you know, it's not it's not bad getting opinion from people, but yeah. if it supersedes what you want or if you're only getting opinion in order mm. to validate what you want, then both are disingenuous forms of choice. Oh, that's good. Okay, so that's actually kind of encouraging to hear that because I guess I don't, I could go either way, but I don't do that. I, I use it mainly to get informed as to if the direction I'm going is right or wrong. Or yeah, and, well, normally you can see this and you can kind of sniff it out when people are asking your opinion about something and you know they they might ask you what do you think I should do, but they're teeing up their impression. And already baiting you with the PR about it right. as if you, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to resist the inevitable. So, you know, they're already kind of coaxing you toward what they want. Sure. Yeah. And what they're looking for is they're looking for the safety in your affirmation. Yep. And they may be looking for it in such a strong way for some people that they may even blame you for affirming a bad decision that they were already committed to. <laughs> <laughs> and you just didn't want right. to rock the boat. You right, right. You're not good at that, just so you know. Yeah. You're very good at rocking the boat when it comes to <laughs> If it's a bad decision, you a little person know. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, there's one more. Yep. So a choice by adverse possession. Choice based on a hazy metaphysical notion about the nature of the universe. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is one of those, you know, you put it out there and it all come back to you right. kind of thing. I love the way Fritz puts it very, very earthy, but he says, you know, I have hemorrhoids, therefore I must have chosen them. (laughs) (laughs) Naturally. (laughs) So this is kind of one of those, you know, you, you, you think it and then it becomes real for you, you know, and it's the old line, you know, you are what you think. Right. And, And I love how one speaker put it. He says, you know, how many of you believe the, that you are what you think, you know, and the, most of the audience raises up their hand. He says, well, you know, if that were true, Every 17-year-old boy would be a girl. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. You know, that's what every 17-year-old boy thinks about, right? <laughs> that's hilariously true. That's definitely what I thought about quite a bit. <laughs> right. Oh, right. my gosh. So Fritz's answer is simply make a conscious choice. And he says, in the creative orientation, you consciously choose results you want to see manifest. And the whole point is, is when you're about to make a decision or you feel like you're being led somewhere, stop, get conscious about it and say, what is it that I'm trying to create here? What is the thing that I want? And understand these eight ways in which, which we might be surrendering our power. That's yeah. Stephen Covey kind of talks about the same thing in the seven habits of a effective person. 
Human? The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That one. <laughs> There's probably one for cats and dogs. <laughs> I'm obviously really good at remembering titles here. All right, let's close this down with the challenge. Yeah, go for it. Obviously, I found the one that really resonated with me. So I guess the challenge that we're going to put out there is a really simple one. You heard the eight that we have given you of choices that limit you. So pick which one of the eight avoidance choices that you see yourself dealing with the most and just identify it and be aware of it because just having that piece of awareness will help you so much as you continue to make the decisions that you will be making every day. Right on, right on. Well, that's it. And that's all the time that Armin and I have to spend with you today, but we look forward to being with you again next week, and we thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoy these podcasts, would you do Armin and I a favor? Would you go out to reinventure.me slash iTunes? And when you click on that link, it'll take you to the iTunes page, and you can open that up and fill out just a very simple rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you about what you think about this show, and we'll give you a shout-out on the episode, and, and it really does help us out with uh, iTunes ratings as well. But even more so, we'd love to hear your questions and comments. So leave them on our show line at 612-314-5447 or drop a note on our show notes at reinventure.me slash 111. And until next week, this is Larry Gates and Armin Asadi saying boom chakalaka. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. <laughs>